Welcome to Seeking Paradise, Reflections on Spirituality, Community and Justice. So I don't know if you've heard the term mansplaining. I think most of you have done. Mansplaining is when a man thinks he's explaining something to a woman, but in a patronising way, in a way that, that wasn't asked for, wasn't invited and is usually uh, saying something, telling her something she already knew. There's a lot of examples on kind of social media when a man thinks he's, he's educating a woman and, and she comes back and saying, yes, I wrote a book on that. And she's actually professor of the subject that's being uh, discussed, but some uh, random man thinks uh, it's his uh, responsibility to, to explain things, to mansplain things to an educated, knowledgeable woman. Men get get socialized into sort of assuming a kind of expertise and a kind of authority um, that's not justified. That's, yeah, that's a thing. But I also think there's there's a religious equivalent um, to that. uh, And I think it's happened to me a lot of times. It last happened to me when we were doing the the interfaith vigil for climate justice outside the Senate. And there are a couple of young lads on um, bikes that came by and I was giving them leaflets and chatting to them. And they asked what we were doing and kind of said, oh, what what church are you from? And I said, well, this is an interfaith gathering. So we're not we're not from one. We're not from one church. But it's obvious they were from some some church and that they were um, they were some form of um, evangelical and uh, they were trying to kind of save me and, and tell me their sort of philosophy. And I tried not to get into an argument. I tried not to get into things we might disagree on, but try to sort of talk to them about where they were and then try to get them to talk about, to think about, climate justice which was what we were there for um so i sort of talked about if jesus says you know you you you, if if you're interested in jesus jesus said love your enemies um and jesus said love your neighbors and what does it mean to love our neighbors who are our fellow humans in pacific islands whose whole countries will be devastated by by climate chaos that's coming whose countries will disappear will be gone will be wiped away if, if we are to love our neighbors that means we have some responsibility for that we've got to do something to, to care for our neighbors in in parts of the world that are today suffering because of climate chaos um so they didn't really take to that um uh so we kind of it was a short conversation but the, the one of them ended it by sort of giving me his email and kind of handing me a piece of paper with with his email that he wrote down sort of oh you know talk to me again if you want if you have any more questions about god kind of thing um assuming his his expertise and my ignorance yeah thanks for that um and what would you call that i don't know um bible splaining um something like that it often is about it often is about the Bible. Sometimes people end these conversations with me sort of saying, oh, you know, you should try reading the Bible, they, suge- they suggest to me. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, 
I actually read the Bible every day. Like I read the Bible a lot. I have studied the Bible a lot. It doesn't need recommending to me. Now I don't have it memorized. I don't have anything memorized really. Um, And there are lots of people who are much more knowledgeable than me about the Bible. I'm by no means an expert or even someone with like a really deep knowledge um, in lots of ways. Lots of people have much, much deeper knowledge than I do, but I do read it. I have read it. I've read all of it, cover to cover, including the bits that aren't in all Bibles, the so-called Apocrypha that's only in some churches' Bibles and not other churches' Bibles. Um, I've read all of it. Um, And that's why I'm pretty committed to the idea that it's not literally true, that it's not inerrant without error, that it's not the word of God. And we get into trouble if we think that it is. This week I was reading the Bible. This week I was reading the first letter of Peter, which says a lot of things. But one of the things it says is slaves accept the authority of your masters with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. Words that were used by those supporting slavery to tell slaves to behave themselves, to obey their masters, even when they were being abused, even when they were being beaten, because that's what it says, right? And there's no getting around that. There's no reinterpreting that. That is what it says. It says that. Okay, the first letter of Peter says that. And the Bible as a whole has got writings that support slavery. Again, there's no getting around that. That's true. That's a fact. There's lots of very clear passages about slavery. Now, of course, slavery is abhorrent, but it's definitely supported by the Bible. I want to read you something. James Cone, the American black liberation theologian, wrote, it is interesting that there is a close correlation between political and religious conservatism. Whites who insist on verbal infallibility are often the most violent racists. If one can be sure, without the possibility of doubt regarding his view of scripture, then he can be equally sure in enforcing his view in a society as a whole. With God on his side, there is nothing that will be spared in the name of the laws of God and men. It becomes an easy matter to kill blacks, Indians, or anybody else who questions his right to make decisions on how the world ought to be governed. Literalism always means the removal of doubt in religion and thus enables the believer to justify all kinds of political oppression in the name of God and country. During slavery, black people were encouraged to be obedient slaves because it was the will of God. After all, Paul did say, slaves, obey your masters. It does say that. The Bible does, parts of it, 
does support slavery and parts of it supports genocide right in the book of samuel the prophet samuel commands king saul in the name of god now go and smite amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not but slay both man and woman infant and suckling ox and sheep camel and ass a commandment to go and destroy your enemies, not just the soldiers, but the civilians, not just the men, but the women, not just the adults, but the children. Go and kill and slaughter them all, even the animals. Slaughter them completely. That, that is there. That is there. And Psalm 137, which you know, you may not know that you know it, but you do know it. That great song, yeah. By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. Do you know how that ends? Do you know how that song that begins like that, how it ends? It ends by saying, happy are those who take the babies of Babylon and smash them against the rocks. Boney M never sung that bit, did they? That doesn't go quite as well to a 70s disco beat. Go and take the children of Babylon, smash them against rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you understand something of the context of this as, as the song of an oppressed people expressing their anger against their oppressors, you might begin to sort of understand it a bit, a bit more. If, if an oppressed people are saying our children get killed for generation after generation, how, how about your children get killed for once? Right? How about the oppressor? weeps for his children when we've been already weeping for our children right i'm not saying it's justified i'm saying it's understandable when you understand that's what it is it's a song of of desperation saying i hate you i hope you die i hope your children die which in the context of being oppressed or enslaved or exiled or destroyed your culture your country your religion is certainly an understandable expression of human emotion. It's an understandable expression of human emotion. But are you telling me that that's the word of God? Are you telling me that that is the a spiritual truth, a moral absolute truth that is approved of by the deepest ground of being of the universe, that babies should be smashed against rocks? No. I won't have that, and you won't have that. Of course you won't. I'm prepared to make an absolute moral stand against murdering babies. And so are you, right? But that's, that's part of what's in the Bible. Now, of course, that's not the only thing that's in the Bible. There are these texts of terror, and they exist, 
they exist. There's no ambiguity around that. But there's other things as well. That's not the only thing the Bible says. And that's sort of the point. That the Bible says lots of various and contradictory things. The Bible has lots of stories in it. But more than anything else, stories of liberation. But sometimes you have to read against the grain of the text. And what I mean by that is bits that say slaves obey your masters point to a reality where slaves were not obeying their masters. Bits that say women be quiet in church means that there must have been women who were not being quiet in church. Sometimes the movement of the spirit of liberation is the exact opposite direction of what the words of the Bible are saying. They are shadows that are pointing into a light, pointing to something that's going on, a movement that is found again and again in different ways in some of those ancient stories. Jesus's wisdom, which course makes up part of the bible for christians tells us that the sabbath regulations were made for people not people for them and that's true of religion in general these things are given to us the bible is given to us for humankind not humankind to serve the bible and sometimes the movement of justice, the movement of liberation, the movement of God is going against those ancient words, as happened with Jesus, his, with his friends, his disciples plucking and eating grain on the Sabbath. And him saying, that's OK. That is going against the clear direction, the clear instruction, the clear words of the Bible. He's going against them. Now, fundamentalist Christians, I think, how do you deal with the fact that Jesus is someone who broke the word of the Bible. Like he went with the spirit of things, but the word of things like, yeah, he goes, yeah, that is what the Bible says, but I'm going against it. That's what Jesus does because compassion and justice are always more important and compassion and justice override a sticking to the letter of something the letter of the law and the dharmapada which is part of the buddhist scriptures points out that it's no use having scripture memorized if you're not doing the work of overcoming hatred and ignorance what's the point of worshiping the bible if it's not making you more wise more compassionate more engaged with the work of liberation because it does do that as well. When we see that movement of liberation across different stories, slaveholders knew that, right? Slaveholders knew that because they knew that parts of the Bible, as well as having parts that encouraged slavery, also had parts that spoke of liberation and they edited them out. They edited them out. I just found this out this week that there was a Bible published in 1807 called Parts of the Holy Bible Selected for the Use of Negro Slaves 
in the British West India Islands. And British missionaries removed all the parts that said, in Christ there is no slave and free, and removed the parts that spoke of the slaves, the Israelite slaves being liberated from the slavery of Egypt. They took those songs of freedom, they took those stories of freedom out before they gave the Bible to the slaves because they knew that if the slaves had those stories, that would confirm to them what the Spirit said in their heart, that they were human beings, that they had dignity, that they deserved freedom, that slavery was a blasphemy against their humanity. When those slaves did read the whole of the Bible, they found and they lived into stories of liberation. Stories that continue to work as stories of liberation, as songs of liberation. The Bible is a complicated library of ancient books. But if you take it as a whole, if you live into those stories... You start to notice those patterns. The Israelites freed from slavery in Egypt. The prophets who said, God hates your religion if it doesn't lead to freedom and justice. In Christian Bibles, the words of Jesus who spoke of God's empire of liberation rather than Rome's empire of oppression. The Bible understood by slaves, by the oppressed, by African-Americans, by Palestinians, by the poor in Latin America, has been a source of inspiration and liberation and revolution. Because there's a lot of that in there. If only some people would, would read it and understand some of that story of liberation rather than use it as a prop, as Trump did this week, tear-gassing crowds so that he could stand in front of a church and wave a Bible around in a really weird way. Like, it's kind of like someone who didn't know, like someone who's been given a baby who doesn't know how to hold a baby and kind of holds it really awkwardly. That's how, like... Trump holds a Bible is like, what, what is that, right? What was that? What, what was that? What was that? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Isaiah 29, 13. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. Matthew 6, 5. I can quote scripture if I need to. Right? I can quote scripture. What is in that book waved around? What stories of liberation are contained in those pages? Doesn't matter how many photo ops you do that you can so that you can wave a Bible around as a, as a talisman. It doesn't matter how many scriptural texts you can memorize. It matters whether you can use these spiritual 
scriptures as aids in your liberation from hatred and ignorance. The black church in America and elsewhere has understood this. The problem is the white church has not. The white church, whether the liberal white church that just wants to throw the Bible out as old fashioned and irrelevant, or the conservative white church who pay lip service to the Bible but actually ignore most of it, have not understood the core teaching of Jesus and the Jewish prophets as being liberation. And so there is still racism, there is still poverty, there is still violence against black and brown bodies. The murder of George Floyd at the hands of police brutality in the States is the tip of the iceberg of racism and anti-blackness in the States, around the world, and yes, here in Wales and in Cardiff. And racism is not a black problem, it is a white problem. It becomes a black problem, it becomes a problem that black people have, but that's because of a problem that white people have. Black people are not responsible for eliminating racism, right? White people are the ones that must eliminate racism, that must do their work in working on racism. It's the responsibility of white people like myself to do the work, to liberate ourselves from our racism, from our white supremacy to do the spiritual work that liberates ourselves and therefore the world from the violence within us. And that requires seeing the value of those stories and songs of liberation that are gifted to us by our spiritual heritage. And joining in that work of liberation that happens on the scale of history and on the scale of my heart, your heart. The Bible is not the word of God. It is a human resource that tells lots of stories, but mainly stories of liberation. Those stories and songs of liberation invite us to ask, what story are we part of? Are we Israelite slaves or are we Egyptian slaveholders? honestly. And if you find it uncomfortable to think of yourself as the Egyptian slaveholder in the story of liberation, then ask yourself, how do I create a different story? What does it look like? What does it look like if the Egyptians stop being slaveholders? What does it look like if the Egyptians start giving up power and follow the Israelites in the holy work of liberation. Where is that story of liberation taking us next? Where is that voice of conscience of justice that we must listen to? Where is it taking us in the next story?
that is something that all of us, and especially white people, need to know, need to discover, need to listen to.